0: Hey, y'all. What is up? Hey, y'all? Like, I'm from Texas now? Hey, y'all. What's up? Well, hey, y'all. What's up? Welcome to the Everyday Missionary Podcast. This is episode 244. I think that's right. Yes, it is. Man, it all just kind of blurs together after a while. But today is a good day for me. Today is my anniversary. I have been married to my sweet wife, Ellie, for 32 years. We've been together for 35 years And man, that is a relationship in my life that just pays dividends every single year. I like my girl more today than even I did the day we were married, and that's a huge blessing. And it's mainly because my wife's very much like Jesus and just is very gracious toward all of my weirdness and flaws and uh, abundant humanness. So... Anyway, today's our anniversary. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to go jet, hang out with my girl a little bit. Uh, Looking forward to that. And uh, what do you do for your 30-second? Well, you go to Costco, you know, and you go to QFC, and you get some supplies for your kid's birthday that's tomorrow night. So anyway, that's what we're going to do. But I wanted to talk a little bit today about something that's been on my heart that I think is just a simple reminder for all of us, and I think I was thinking about this uh, in relationship to just a lot of things I'm reading, right? So I'm always kind of reading the news and reading Christian new sites and everything else. And there seems to be this kind of growing theme that the world is against Christians. The world wants to shut down Christians. The world has bigoted biases against Christians. And we're being pushed out of the middle. And we have all of our rights that are being threatened and everything else. And I'm reading all of this and I'm going, Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Like, what a great opportunity, right? If they're against us, they don't want us, they don't like us, they feel threatened by us, they feel we're a threat to them, we're not safe, we're not good, whatever else. What a great opportunity for us, right? And uh, I think that's why we need to see it because one of the things I continue to see when I read these different things is it's alarmist. And in the alarmist kind of spirit of it, it almost acts as though Can you believe it? How dare the world not like us? Where do they get off? Don't they realize this is the United States of America? It's a Christian nation, and we have all of our rights and privileges secured for us. How dare they want to override those? Now, uh, there's many things I could say about all of that. Sometimes on the podcast, we talk about those very things, but I just wanted to, to kind of slow the roll on that a little bit and pivot into something that I think is real simple. Let's say all of that's true. And, and frankly, I find that a lot of that is way overblown. It gets clicks, it sells articles, it makes money, it, it gets a lot of conferences and books all thrown out into the equation, right? Because we start feeling like, uh oh, we're being attacked, we're being ostracized, we're being whatever. And and I look at like the last 10 years of court cases where actually religious liberties have been more secured in our society, not less secured. Uh, you know, in many ways, we are as confident. Comfortable and safe as can be as Christians, honestly, in our society. It's amazing how much flexibility and freedom we have. And so I always just kind of shake my head and go, Man, we don't know what real opposition looks like, honestly. We just have no idea. But let's say it was all true for a minute. Let's say that all of that opposition was authentic and true. Here's why I go, What great news and what a great opportunity. It's in that space that we get to showcase Jesus, right? And that's sometimes what grieves me when I see these responses where it's almost like we need to stand up and we need to fight and we need to stand in the gap and we need to take it back and everything else because that to me is not Jesus at all. Like even this week, I'm in the section of the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is... Uh, he's been arrested. He's gonna be kind of on trial before the religious people. Then he's gonna be on trial before uh, the Gentile authorities. And and throughout all of that, like there's this disposition in Jesus where he's just not getting baited or sucked into doing things the way human beings do things. So he's not. This is injustice. This is a violation. This is mistreatment. You're a bunch of liars. This is all wrong. And and that's unfortunately the way sometimes uh, some in the Christian community respond to uh, maybe a less than uh, positive uh, reception from our world. We act as though we're bothered by or offended by those things, or we need to retaliate to ensure that we get to keep certain things for ourselves. And every time I see that, I go, man, this is not the model that Jesus left us. When I see Jesus actually facing persecution, injustice, lies about him, he's not rebuttling, He's not rebuffing. He's not arguing. He's not angry about it. It's like he is just chilling, right? He's like silent. And in there is real faith. So he's not a coward. He's not weak. He is exercising the deepest kind of faith that one can exercise. He's trusting God as the ultimate judge to judge justly. And he's taking his life and leaving it into God's hands, as opposed to trying to take uh, his life into his own hands and get what he wants. Because we know even earlier before his trial, he is praying and he's like, God, if there's another way, please take this whole option off the table. But then he says, but I don't want what I want. I want what you want. And so the rest of the night as he goes through the trials and all the things he goes through, he is acting in deep, deep faith. He's trusting God to provide, and he's just focusing on how he's supposed to respond in the midst of those things. Now, I highlight this in our modern climate because, again, I think part of the American spirit and kind of our First Amendment mentality is like, no, I can stand up. I can fight. I can demand that I get things my way because I have certain rights and freedoms that are afforded to me as an individual. And, and we kind of take on that tone. But, but that's an Americanized tone more than it's a Jesus-centric tone. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a time to speak out. I'm not saying there isn't a time to march or whatever else. I honestly believe those things can be really good, especially if we do it in peaceful ways and thoughtful ways and kind and compassionate ways. That can be really powerful. But sometimes it just becomes this, uh, like, I'm, I'm offended that you're offended at me, and therefore I'm offended at you, and I'm going to take a stand against you because I feel like you're coming against me, and it misses, again, the opportunity. Because when the world is against us, and the world looks at us and goes, man, you guys are, are, are harmful to a more flourishing future in our culture. And maybe they do then want to come against us. We go, here is the opportunity moment to be like Jesus. And I turn our attention to 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, God called you to do good. Even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and... And you must follow in his steps, not you should, you could, you can consider it, you might. He says, you must do exactly what Jesus did. And Peter is pointing to the event of that night. And I'm sure this is really etched in Peter's mind because Peter showed up to the courtyard. He watched Jesus in the initial twilight of that whole event. You know, they're beginning to to face some of the pressure. It's where Peter denies Jesus three times and then ditches out. Well, he's thinking about that night as he's writing this letter decades later to a group of Christians that are feeling the pinch and the pressure of a world that doesn't like them. And he says, ah, can I tell you, here's our response. It's not to freak out. It's not to resist. It's not to fight back. No, you got to think about how Jesus handled things that particular night and going into the next day. It says he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. I love this right here because sometimes in the pressure that I think Christians feel from culture, they begin to say things about culture and they buy into like these um, you know, conspiracy theories or they weave together these kind of assumptions about things. And that's kind of deceptive in its own right. It's just using kind of a, a type of almost like social or psychological warfare or we vilify the other side and we say things about them that overstates what they really might think and what they really might believe and everything else. And Jesus didn't do any of that stuff, right? He never sinned. He didn't deceive. He didn't spin a story out of control to offset certain things. Also, it says he did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. Isn't that amazing? He didn't retaliate when he was insulted. So when people say stuff about our faith that is negative or about our religious convictions or whatever else, we don't need to retaliate. We don't need to you know, like kind of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, say bad stuff about them because they say stuff about us. You don't do that, right? You don't retaliate. You don't threaten revenge. When you suffered, oh, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to I'm going to make sure we really take this to the next level, right? It's like non-violence was the way of Jesus and only non-violence disarms violence. Violence doesn't disarm violence. It really doesn't. It just kind of kicks the can down the road or cycles it up into a different iteration, right? That's always the way the world has kind of worked, which is why Jesus is so then profound in the way he does things. So in this, why does he do it this way? Where he doesn't threaten revenge. He doesn't retaliate when he is insulted. Why? Because he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Isn't that good? Isn't that hard? Doesn't that take faith? See, that's the thing I've been thinking about more. Like if we're a people of faith, then we need to showcase how we're a people of faith. Not just the objective faith, like the faith of the Christian faith, and I believe these certain tenets of the faith, but this subjective thing that says, I so believe what God says in his word. I'm going to do what God tells me to do from his word. He gives me, Jesus is the example to follow. I'm going to follow that example. And God, I'm going to trust you with the injustices of this world, no matter what, because you will judge fairly. I will simply do good and leave the case in your hands to solve. See, aside from that being a tremendous faith-growing agent, I also think it's a very evangelistic agent. Because if the world saw Christians less on the defensive, and the world saw Christians less feeling like they were the victims of secularism, and if the world saw Christians kind of chill calm, collected, loving, invested, prayerful, hopeful, joy-filled, peace-engaging, like that is some compelling stuff. I always believe it's compelling things that will draw people into curiosity about God and go, oh, this is who he really is versus how I perceive him to be, because there's a lot of broken perceptions about God and Jesus and, and the Christian faith because of the ways so often we have historically reacted instead of us moving in faith. And yet I believe if we do this if we take this simple passage out of first Peter chapter two and we apply it and we get serious about it and we really own this in our bones, not only will we relax over many of the injustices that come against us in this world because we just go, yeah, that's going to happen. Jesus told us that when we signed up, but he also told us to leap for joy when it happens because it's opportunity and it's opportunity to be like him to those who don't like him. And I believe the more we do that, the more they'll see who he really is. And from that sum, man, they're going to be compelled. They're going to be moved. They're going to be changed. And I believe the more we're owning that and doing that and striving for that, the more we will be effective everyday missionaries.